0: this podcast is brought to you by the Vonevich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University
1: hi everyone I'm Bev Jones and this is just about work where we talk about everything that can have an impact on your career today we're talking with software developer Shannon Turner in her day job, Shannon manages tech needs for a nonprofit that supports women's rights and social justice. But today, we're gonna to focus on her side gig. Shannon is the founder of Hear Me Code, a nonprofit group with a creative approach to teaching coding to women who want to get into tech. Hear Me Code started with a few women sitting around Shannon's kitchen table. Today, women in the group are teaching other women how to code for free. And together, they've built a community of more than 3,000, mostly young, female coders around Washington, D.C. We'll talk about Hear Me Code and other issues related to overcoming barriers to women in technology. Shannon, today we want to talk about how you've come up with an interesting and highly effective way to support women who want to build careers in technology. But first, I'd like to hear about how you've been building your own career. It sounds like a lot of uh, what you have done has uh, been because you're self-taught and energetic. And can you tell us about how you first became interested in tech and how you built up the career you have today as a, um, a quite an accomplished um, person?
2: Yeah, so I, I think my interest in tech really started when I was very young. It's funny, my grandma, of all people, loves to play video games. And when I was very young, I would watch her play and I would you know sketch out on paper uh, what, what I thought it, it looked like when she was playing. And I'd, I'd take these sketches to her and say, hey, grandma, wouldn't this be really cool if this were part of your game? And you know, it was it was in that moment that she said, Yeah, but you need to get good at computers if you're going to make that happen. And so I, I think it was that moment when that seed was planted. That,
1: Wonderful that encouragement. Happened. Yeah, that was yeah. she really um encouraged you in a way that doesn't always often happen with girls.
2: Right. And it it's funny because I, I think I've always had you know, a, a great role model in her. And I've always looked up, and she very much uh, broke the mold in many different ways.
1: It seems that um for many uh, girls, the the path not to tech starts when they're quite young. i I kind of remember that myself. I'm much older, of course, but I remember somebody, a math teacher, and I was in some kind of advanced program, and the math teacher said, "You know, Girls need math too because recipes can be pretty tricky. So, so I, I, it, it feels as though even today there is a gender gap, and that mm-hmm. sometimes teachers and family and other people will make assumptions that girls aren't good at STEM-related coursework. And of course, that's science, technology, engineering, and math. Is is that still the case? Is that still going on? And was it going on when you were in school?
2: I mean, unfortunately, it's uh, it's been a problem that's been around for a very long time. And although I think people are, are talking about it a lot, I, I haven't seen a ton of uh, change or progress, um, I, I think. Step one really is the the conversation, right, to have, you know, hey, this is a real thing that's happening. You know, women and girls are being pushed away from this, but they're being pushed away from, you know, tech and science and math and all of this. By other people who don't want them in, and I, I think it's important to remember that the you know very first computer programmers were women. I think it's wonderful that stories uh, like the the very successful movie Hidden Figures uh, last year, stories like that are finally being told after so long, they, they these stories weren't being told. And I, I think that's a really good start. And we need to continue having these conversations and continue to, you know, really assert like, yes, we do belong in these spaces, and we're not going to go away.
1: So before we get to how you're helping other women get into these careers, let's go back to you a little bit. Today, you're a Full-stack developer. Mm-hmm. Can, can you say a little more detail what that means and how did you get there?
2: Yeah, full-stack developer is one of those jargon terms that um, let's break up that jargon, right? So when I think of a, a web page, right, there's the way that things are laid out on the screen. There's the the styling, which is like the look and the feel of, of how it appears, there's the functionality, what happens when you click on things, what happens when you scroll. And then there's also a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And a, a full stack developer uh, really means that um, you're comfortable in being able to do all of those different uh, functions of building a web page. And so, I guess, uh, another way of saying, I'm a full stack developer is I I can do it all. I'm a jack of all trades. I I can uh, do everything start to finish when it comes to building a web page.
1: And how did you learn to do that?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's um, one of those things that you build up a little bit by little bit, certainly not all at once. I, I think, you know, I started off when I was very young learning how to build websites and, you know, just really creating um, like the, the layout of the page when um, you know, two years ago, back in 2016, Pokemon go was like super popular, right? Everyone was playing it on their phones, back when I was a, a teenager, Pokemon was still around, but it wasn't super popular. And I was one of those nerdy kids who, you know, kind of like my my grandma was playing, you know, computer games and, you know, video games. And I was so into it that I wanted to make a fan webpage, right? And so that was actually how I taught myself how to Build a website was I was really into this thing And I think if if you tell a teenager like hey Learning this stuff is going to be really good for your career. They're not going to listen But to me, it was just something that was fun to do And I really enjoyed myself and didn't even realize that I was learning
1: So some point along the way you built your skills and you were in ohio when you were growing up, weren't you?
2: Yes, originally
1: so then you came to um, Washington was part of the attraction of Washington as a tech capital? or what brought you to Washington?
2: Yeah, so you know I, I live in washington, d c, and uh, the the work that I do is really for nonprofit organizations. and if um if you want to work in the nonprofit, world um dc is a really great city for that because there are so many national groups here and that was really what drew me to washington and i i think um that for for me was really important because the the tech is pretty interesting but i wanted the work that i do to mean something
1: so you came to washington and you got on the path now you're uh Dealing with all the tech needs of a nonprofit, and um, I believe what you started doing was looking around for ways to meet up with other tech people. Is is that right?
2: Yeah. So I was uh, teaching myself a new programming language, and one of the uh, things that I would ask all of these people who were, you know, more established and further along in their career. I I would ask them, you know, how do I, you know, meet other people? How do I, you know, really advance my skill set? And pretty much across the board, everyone said to me, go to these tech events. They're the best way to learn by doing. You're going to meet lots of great people. You're going to be able to network. And I did, but I was really frustrated by being one of the only women in the room. I didn't feel like I was welcome. I I felt very outnumbered and you know I got a lot of nasty comments like oh are you here with your boyfriend like like I couldn't be there on my own right and I was just so frustrated by all of that
1: it's amazing how little things have changed even though much <laughs> right. has changed but so so you were going to these events and mm-hmm. um feeling distant and isolated but you just didn't give up? What did you do?
2: Well, the the thing is, is I, I made it a point to like talk to the other women who were at these events, which was pretty easy. There were about three of us there. And so at that point, that was when I realized that it wasn't just me, that we all had this shared experience of being talked down to, not being taken seriously, lots of nasty comments. And I at that point I said, you know what, I'm self-taught. Why don't I start my own group where we can all learn and grow together? And so I started teaching a group of friends who I knew wanted to learn how to code. And I developed the, the curriculum myself. And it was super informal. I just started teaching a, a group of friends around my kitchen table. And by word of mouth, it grew from four women when i started it in september 2013 to over 3000 women today
1: wow that's that's wonderful but th- <laughs> they're not on all around your kitchen table certainly no. how, how how did that growth happen you couldn't teach all these people
2: yeah, so it, it it's funny because we we very quickly had to to move out of um, my apartment. We couldn't hold classes there anymore, and so what i what I ended up doing was I'd go to nonprofit organizations and and companies and businesses that weren't using their uh, conference room spaces on the weekends. And I said, hey, I'm running these classes. You know, you want to get more women into tech. I do too. You know, let's work together. And so, you know, they would give me the, the space and I would run classes on the weekends. And that really helped me grow um, because I was able to run many more classes and for many more people. And so for the first eight months, I was teaching every single class. And um, as the, the group grew in that time, you know, we had a, a few hundred women in the group at that point. Uh, not all at once, mind you, but we teach in groups of about 50 per class. And so at that point I said, okay, I need the, the folks who have been part of the group from the beginning to come back as teaching assistants. And it was really magical to, to see the women who had started off, you know, as students just a few months before, helping other people out and walking them through the examples. And it became this really great, um, I, this great cycle where women were helping other women and teaching these skills that they themselves had just learned just uh, not that long ago. And now... I hardly ever get to teach anymore because we do so much work to focus on turning students into teachers. That now those students become teaching assistants, and then become teachers.
1: Wow that that's wonderful. Do you can you tell us a little bit about what your um, curriculum is now? Where do you start?
2: Yeah. So what what I really wanted to do was very important to me. When I started Hear Me Code, was to have the classes one be absolutely free so that you didn't have to, you know, pay money to figure out like, hey, what is this coding stuff? Right. Because there's so, you know, there are so many barriers to women getting into this space in the first place. It didn't feel right to me to put up another barrier by charging. But I also wanted it to be super beginner-friendly because I wanted to, you know, by by making it beginner-friendly so that you don't have to have had any coding experience in the past, you know, this helps folks, you know, start fresh. And I I think it's a great introduction because then, you know, a lot of people have taken classes in the past and they they tell me after uh, their first lesson you know, I didn't think I could do this because I took a class before and I was completely lost. But taking your class, I really understand things. And it, it's always a, you know, a great thing to see them again next month.
1: So there's an element of, of sort of mentoring and coaching mm-hmm. in addition to just presenting the material. Yeah. There's a lot of online teaching I hear is have you been using that as well, or are you incorporating any of that, or is it all person-to-person?
2: You know, I think there's something that's really magical about in-person spaces, and specifically spaces that are, you know, catering to women. Um, and that that's why our classes are in-person and, you know, specifically for women. I think, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with the, the – you know, resources that are out there. There's tons of, you know, online classes. But I've heard so many stories from students who have said, those classes didn't really work for me. I didn't really understand it. Um, And I I think having someone uh, in the room that you can ask questions, having a, a large cohort of other women that, you know, you're all kind of going through this same class together and can help each other out, that's a really big component of this too. It's the community that that's missing from those online classes, you know.
1: The community is so important, and it it, it feels to me that um, as as women move into new sectors, and I, I did this years ago as one of the early women lawyers, and I mm-hmm. worked with women moving into um, uh, engineering and and mm-hmm. science where there weren't other women. The what it really seems to take for it to work well and quickly is to have a community. It's just yeah. really hard to be isolated as other than everybody else. Absolutely. And and the community, uh, a community of, of women within a group or a workplace can change the culture, can make it uh, less of a culture of barriers, don't you think?
2: Absolutely. You know, I, I think one of the things that Really works well for Hear Me Code and why we're so successful is because of the the culture that we work very hard to cultivate. So, one of the the first things um, that happens is, you know, we 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 don't ask anybody to install any software or or do anything with their computer before they attend. Just show up with your computer and right away you know we help you in the door and what i'd like to do is i say i'm going to show you how to install all of the things that you need i'm going to walk you through getting set up and then once i've done that i i say hey can you show your neighbor what we just did can you walk your neighbor through how to do this. And so I think doing things like that, maybe it's subtle, maybe it's small, but I think it contributes to a collaborative, friendly culture where people who are sitting at the same table, they get to know each other, they're helping each other. And I I think it makes for relationships that continue on beyond that first class as well.
1: Absolutely. Having a culture of helping and teaching and sharing from the very first few minutes, I I think it must uh, be part of the DNA of the group that made it so successful. (laughs) So so this feels like um, sort of a template for people who are struggling with isolation for women in, in other cities, in other parts of the country. Do you have you kind of written up a how to for people who <laughs> want to start a group like this or, or what would you suggest how would you suggest people begin if they want to follow your model
2: Yeah. You know, there are so many different groups that have uh, sprung up that are specifically focused on women in tech. I think when I started Hear Me Code, there were a handful of groups, but there weren't that many. Um, And I really had my own vision of how I wanted to do things. And so creating my own group made sense. But I would say that if, if you're interested in finding a community and By the way, I think finding your community is like one of the best things that you can do. It's the number one piece of advice that I give. Uh, You know, if you want to find your community, pretty much every major city has at least one women in tech group that's, um, you know. Some of them are specific to different programming languages, but many of them are not. And so there's groups like Women Who Code, which has um, groups in pretty much every major city. There's groups like Girls Who Code and at younger girls. There's Black Girls Code. There's all kinds of groups out there. So I would really recommend finding a group that's near you and, and joining that.
0: We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University is having an impact today while providing innovative education for tomorrow's leaders. The Master's Program in Public Administration and Environmental Studies leads students to greatness in nonprofit, environmental, public sector, and government settings. Learn to lead at the Voinovich School. We're now accepting applications. Information is available at ohio.edu/voinovich School.
1: As you're describing it, it feels like there's a a wonderful growing trend of women helping other women to to break through the gender barrier and to get into tech. Um, Looking at it from the standpoint of employers how can employers not wait for other communities to kind of open the doors? How can employers help um, get over the gender barrier and encourage women to get into tech jobs?
2: Yeah, I I think that's one of the things that I think about a lot is, you know, how how can we get employers to start hiring women? And of, of course, the answer is to just hire women. Um, you know right now a lot of these uh, companies are not hiring women. Um, they're not hiring people of color and that's a big problem because I think about how you know these companies are very much building the future and who has a say in what that future looks like who gets to have a say? in what gets built. And for the most part, it's mostly white men. And I think that's a big problem and it's a big limitation. there are so many studies that show how companies that have diverse teams are more successful, they're more profitable, they're more stable. And I think that, you know, just from a pure business stance, even if you didn't care about doing the right thing, just from a pure business stance, having diverse teams is such a smart move. So I think, you know, Companies need to stop saying things like, oh, it's a pipeline problem, you know, we we just can't find any women, we can't find any people of color. Because when they say that, I know that they haven't even tried. So I think, one, we need to stop talking about it like it's a pipeline problem. Because I know so many women and people of color who are fighting very hard to stay in the industry. but they just keep being pushed out by these toxic environments of harassment, you know, sexism, racism, all of these things. And so I think if we can change these cultures in these companies to make them more welcoming places to work, I think you're going to see that pipeline stop leaking.
1: When Employers talk about the pipeline. What they're often saying is in the schools we always go to, in -hmm. the places we always go to, uh, we'd love to hire more broadly, but it's mostly white guys, and that's Mm -hmm. the pipeline. And what you're doing is you're creating a much bigger, more varied, more robust, I think ultimately more productive pipeline. So maybe one of the things that big companies can do is is collaborate a bit with um, pipelines like yours and uh, be supportive during the, the training and the growth phase and, and, and create community connections. Maybe that's a way to change the pipeline.
2: Absolutely. And and to create more jobs that are entry level, I think one of the things that's really uh, difficult and, and frustrating for a lot of um folks who are starting out is so many jobs they they want three to five years of experience but how do you get those three to five years of experience if there's no entry-level jobs and so i i think you know i see so many companies that are only hiring at the senior level when really they'd be much better served hiring at the entry level or hiring at the mid-range and training folks up right
1: On the topic of training, another way to get at it is to provide training opportunities for people who maybe are hired not even in a tech capacity. They're in a clerical capacity or service or something. Absolutely. Training for people who are already established as as reliable, energetic people you want to have around, offer training for a wider range of people. That seems to be a, a way to get at it.
2: Absolutely. You know, I I think these tech skills, they are difficult. They do take time to learn. But I really do believe anyone can learn them if they, you know, put in the, the time and the effort. And I think that we could also do as educators go a long way to making the time and effort required to learn these skills much lower.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There are a lot of lessons from what you've done and fr- from your career. But one thing I want to go back to the beginning, kind of a a lesson from your career, sometimes resistance to tech jobs or tech careers from people who, who sort of like the work but mm-hmm. don't want the environment. There, Just as uh, there are stereotypes about women not being tech savvy there are there are stereotypes about tech people being narrow and disengaged from society and so forth mm-hmm. you're you're an illustration that you're working for nonprofits you're working on things that you really love and you're mm-hmm. using your tech skills to help get across those messages to help build those groups so you can employ tech skills in all kinds of places. You don't have to be in one of the big tech companies, right?
2: Absolutely. And I I would love to change how we think about, you know, who a tech person is culturally. I think we have this, you know, cultural idea of a tech person as being, you know, a a loner who's in a a dark basement, you know, just coding all night long. And I, I think that I think about all of the people that I know, and I don't know a single person who fits that stereotype. And it's, it's so funny that that's our cultural reference for it. When every tech job that I've ever had or seen is so collaborative, working with people all day long. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why women are so successful when they do, you know, get into tech is because they have, you know, so many great people skills and, and they're able to be more collaborative and, and working together towards this common goal.
1: I love that, uh, image you've just presented that I think is so true that so much of career success starts with the ability to collaborate. And sometimes Mm women, um, are sort of inclined in that direction. They're terrific at it at all kinds of situations.
2: Right.
1: This is um inspiring. It makes me uh want to go out and learn to code myself. <laughs> but um I really appreciate you, you joining me. Do you have any um uh advice for listeners who have the same urge that I do? How how do you start if you're not nearby hear me code? How what would the best way for a listener to do if they Uh, asking themselves right now, what is this coding? It sounds kind of fun.
2: Right. I would say if, if you're interested in coding, do two things. Find a group that's near you. That focuses on you know teaching these, these coding skills. And if there's not a group near you, maybe think about you know starting one. But if if you wanted to learn, the best way to do it is finding a project, coming up with a project idea for something that you care about, something that's interesting to you, and finding a way to make that happen.
1: That's a terrific uh, suggestion. Start with something you want to do, and then use the skills as a means to get there. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Shannon. It's been wonderful talking with you. The the group is Hear Me Code, and I love the work you're doing.
2: Thank you so much, Beverly. It's great chatting with you today.
1: Today we've been talking with Shannon Turner, a software developer who has found a creative way to offer free coding lessons and encourage women to get into tech. Today's career tip is especially for women. There's still a gender gap in many technology sectors, but that's changing. If you're fascinated by the opportunities in tech, don't be discouraged by old stereotypes. Women across the country are taking advantage of new kinds of classes and they're learning to code. You can too. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO.